Hey, you want to talk about a serial entrepreneur? How about somebody that started selling wrapping paper door to door at 12 years old, then did a paper route and a lawn and a leaf business in snow blowing and snow plowing, who was looking to make money in racing bicycles, all the way to today, Chris Larson has a business where he teaches people how to replace their active income with passive income it's next level income. This is a great podcast where we break down what happens in the beginning. If you don't know where to start on creating passive income, where do you start and how much money do you need and how do you create additional income if you needed to? Here's Chris Larson. Hey Chris, well welcome to the Entrepreneurs United podcast. Happy to have you today. Rich, it's great to join you. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, if we could start off, if you wouldn't mind sharing some of your journey as an entrepreneur yourself and how you came to be where you are today. Yeah. So I think my journey as an entrepreneur started really with my father. So my father, he passed away when I was young. I was five years old, but he was, he was a true entrepreneur. He had a Kirby distributorship. So he sold vacuums and I'll never forget coming home. And my mom saw my, uh, the book that I had in my hand. And I think it was a Zig Ziglar book. And I set it on the counter of the kitchen. And she goes, your, your dad, I remember when he read that book. And, you know, I just looked there and she never really talked. There was a lot of, you know, my, there was a lot of turmoil after my father passed away. He had a business, he had real estate. He had six Corvettes. He liked to, to build Corvettes. He had, you know, kind of toys. It was, it was a bit of a mess after he passed away. So I think there was, um, you know, just some, um, you know, feelings there that my mom, you know, had to process. And so she didn't talk a ton about that side of my father, but he was an entrepreneur. I, I somehow probably got the, uh, the, the nature part of that instead of the nurture. And when I was 12 years old, I, I started uh, selling wrapping paper door to door. I forget how I, how I got the opportunity to do that. But you know, I remember showing up to somebody's door and they're like, oh, is this a fundraiser for school? And I was like, no, it's a fundraiser for me. Like, I'm just trying to buy a clock radio. So had uh, had my um, wrapping paper and then I uh, had a paper route and I had kind of like a lawn care leaf business. I'd shovel snow and I lived in a fairly affluent area, even though we were in a, a blue collar neighborhood. So I could go a little ways and I could go make like 300 bucks, you know, shoveling snow or doing people's lawns. And this is, you know, 34 years ago. So, you know, it's, it's good money. It's still good money today, like for a day or a weekend for a you know, a teenager. So, you know, did that, got to school. I started racing my bicycle when I was 14 years old. It'll be 30 years this year. So just to put that in perspective for some people. And um, I don't know if anybody doesn't know about cycling, I can tell you, it's not the most lucrative sport in the world. Um, so you got to be really good to make any money. And even if you are really good, you don't make the kind of money that a lot of other professional sports make. So I kind of had some other side gigs that, that I would do. Like, you know, like I was saying, I'd shovel snow in the, um, in, in the winters and that allowed me to make money to buy bikes. When I got to college, I started a loft business. So I would, I would literally buy lofts back from students at the end of the year. And then I would sell them at the beginning of the year. So I, I did that. And then uh, I, I ended up, you know, long story short, and I talk about all this in my book. So if, if you're listening today, you want to get it nextlevelincome.com. If you click on the book link, put your address in, I'll even send you a copy today. I, I started day trading in college. So now I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like talk about, you know, 
this is, you can find out information and learn these technical strategies. And I was making thousands of dollars a month as a junior in college, but it was very, very stressful. So I, I started down this path and I said, all right, you know, I'm going to probably when I was reading that Zig Ziglar book, I read 250 books in the matter of, um, I don't know, about four years, maybe five years. So I was reading over a book a week. I was like, I'm going to find the optimal investment strategy. And what I settled on was real estate. I liked real estate because there was control, there was leverage, there was um, the ability to have cash flow. And, you know, that control also carried over to the appreciation side. So I became an investor at 21, but I continued the entrepreneurial spirit. And I ended up in the medical device field. And I spent 18 years in that, in that area, in that field. And that's how I got the capital to invest. So that was, uh, that was kind of a, a brief story of um, my early life uh, as a budding entrepreneur, if you will. Yeah, you were entrepreneurial from a really young age. And uh, that's a great story. And you ended up going from, it sounds like, the medical device field into now is next level income. How did that transition take place? Yeah, so it was um, it, it was it was very organic, Rich. So I I didn't really start out thinking, okay, I'm going to have this business. But I started with my former partner. Now we syndicated our first deal. So if you're not familiar with the syndication, it's just it's pulling together a group of investors to buy a property. So if the three of us or thirty people said, hey, let's go buy a property together. Um, we create it's called a syndicate, and we buy a property. So we started investing in the multifamily space uh, 2013, um, sold all my single family portfolio that I built up over, over the course uh, from 21 on. And my wife and I put all that money into um, commercial property, mostly multifamily. And then people started saying, well, Chris, like, what do you, like, what do you do with your money? I ended up getting an MBA in portfolio management. So people, you know, I have these conversations and I'd say, oh, I, you know, actually my favorite is apartment investing. So People are like, oh, that's cool. Like, how do you do that? So people are like, hey, can can you introduce me to the people you invest with? So a couple of years down the road, we ended up partnering with the group we first invested with, and and did our first syndication. Um, so that started to grow, and that was that was fun. I was starting to get burned out in the med device industry, and medical device is a wonderful industry. But I was on call for twelve years, and it's very stressful, especially when you have young kids, and you know whether it's the weekend or an evening or Mother's Day or you know, whatever it might be, my mother passed away and I was on an airplane on the phone on the tarmac trying to help like a, a doctor in the OR. I mean, it's just like, it's just a nonstop business. So it, it kind of chips away at you over time. So real estate for me was my, was my backup plan to develop that passive income stream. And what I realized was it was, it was really a second career. It's like, Hey, I want to create value. I enjoy creating value you know, going into that, you know, entrepreneurial spirit. and you know, as time evolved and people started investing with us, they also started saying, well, Chris, I want to invest. Maybe I can't. Or, or how did you get to the point where you are? So, you know, I, I'd write them an email and then I'd, I'd, you know, send them to a website or I'd have a phone call. And I thought, man, I should like curate this. I started like, you know, putting like uh, like blog posts together. And then my marketing guy said, Chris, you should start a podcast. And I was like, well, it's like, I don't really want to do a podcast. I'm full-time managing a medical device distributorship. I'm like, I don't really know if that's a good fit. And you know, I was like, you know what? I was like, after having these conversations, I went back and said, let's do it. And the mission of Next Level Income is to help people make more money, keep more money, and ultimately grow their money. So we say we, we help investors, we help people 
get to financial educate financial independence through education and investment opportunities. And that's really how the brand, how the company grew, but it really started with the ability to curate this information. And now just out of the need to help more people, it's like, you know, people keep coming in. It's like, you know, the coaching has taken off. I have a coaching partner now. Uh, the investment side of the business has taken off. It's really, you're just, I'm just trying to keep up with, you know, the desire and the need of people for both information as well as, you know, the, the opportunities to get to, you know, where we've gotten to today. Great. And today you have next level income and you have properties as part of a syndicate and then as an individual owner as well. Yes. Yeah, so we, we do personally own, uh, we have a office building. We have some, um, some uh, short-term Airbnbs. Um, my wife and I are actually working on a uh, development as well here locally, but we also um, are partners in about 3,000 units um, as well, apartment buildings. Um, we also do car washes, which is another area that we've entered into um, this year. Great cash flowing business. And most of this stuff we also offer to investors as well. Okay. So I'd imagine some of our listeners are thinking, you know, I've got my full-time gig going on. Uh, I've always been kind of interested in real estate. I've read the book, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or, you know, I've, I've dabbled in it. I've heard people talk about it, but I just don't know where to get started if I were going to do anything with it. And I don't know if I have enough money to do something with it. So can you lay that out for our uh, entrepreneurs who might be beginners who want to do what you did as a backup plan and passive income? How much money would they need like as a minimum and what would they do to get started? Yeah. So I'm going to, let's talk about kind of two different paths here. So, um, you know, the, the first path um, would be, so let's talk about if you are a full-time employee. Okay. So if you're a full-time employee, um, actually James, uh, we were talking a little, little bit about this before the show, James, James Altucher talks about the rich employee. There's a lot of, there's a lot of companies, a lot of businesses where you can, you can become very wealthy by doing well within the company. But if we back up, the next level income strategy is how to make more money, how to keep more money, and then ultimately how to grow more money. And the first thing I would suggest is get to a point, whether you're a business owner, you're an employee, get to a point where you can save 50% of what you're making. Now, that sounds like a lot of money. A lot of people are like, I can't do that, Chris. I'm making $50,000 a year. How the heck am I supposed to save 50%? Step one is make more money. So if, if you're an employee, try to put yourself in the revenue cycle, in the revenue stream. You know, if you can impact revenues, like I was always in sales, it's very kind of like entrepreneurial, right? Where you're inside of the business and you're, you're also autonomous, but you have, um, you get paid on commission as, as I did. And you can, you can have almost uncapped earnings potential when you do that. Um, the other option is maybe you have a side business. You know, you could, you could coach. Like I was, I was coaching cyclists when I was a med device rep. So I was coaching. So I had, I had free time. I had, you know, I was waiting for surgeries. I had downtime. I was on call. What am I going to do at this time? I started coaching, you know, cyclists on the side, um, real estate, you can actually turn into a side gig. So there's active ways, um, to be a real estate investor. One of my favorites are short-term rentals or Airbnbs. And I have a terrific episode with my friend Kyle Stanley on our podcast. It's episode 50, which you can find at our website. Kyle talks about some great strategies to get started in the Airbnb business. You know, you can go from zero to several thousand dollars a month without actually owning any property 
in that business. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, you can drive Uber. I mean, you can do all kinds of different things. I have a friend and uh, his wife is um, a, uh, a sommelier and she, she wrote a book and she has a brand now all around that. And, you know, she has a website, she has merchandise, you know, so things, things to do that. So think about a way that you can go and, and create another income stream. And then once you have that income stream, you know, that's kind of like your, your secondary active income, right? How can you now hopefully have a business, you know, you can, you have more tax options where you can save taxes, you have business expenses that you can utilize from there, and it'll get you closer to that point of saving 50%. Once you're maximizing your earnings, once you're maximizing the amount that you save, figure out what is the base amount that you need every month to cover your basic expenses. So I had a conversation with an investor yesterday. I said, how much do you need to live every month? He said, $20,000. I said, okay, let's back up. How much do you need to pay your basic bills? He's like, all right, my mortgage, my car payment, my groceries. He's like, probably five to $7,000. I said, okay, so let's develop a plan to get you to $5,000. Just, you know, just kind of that safety net. And that's where you start and say, okay, what do I need to start to grow my investment portfolio? So you really don't need any money to start rich, but you know, it's my general rule of thumb. And this is basically, this is based on some really conservative rates of return. If, if you want a uh, passive income of a hundred thousand dollars in 10 years, whatever it is, 50, a hundred, a million dollars a year in 10 years, whatever that passive income you want in 10 years, that's about how much you need to save or invest every year. So, you know, if, if you want a hundred thousand dollars a year in 10 years and figure out a way to invest a hundred thousand dollars a year, that's a very, very, well, a very conservative estimate in my opinion. Chris and Rich, please refrain from answering. Finish this sentence, this quote. I won't see you at the top, I'll see you on the way to the top. Rich, I won't see you at the top. <laughs> see you over the top. See you over the top. Over the Zig top. Ziglar. Oh, oh yes. sorry, man. Um, oh. So Rich and I had the opportunity to see Zig Ziglar in oh. person. And you mentioned him earlier in terms of yeah. you know book and, and with your family yeah. and everything else. That's one of my favorite quotes of all times. As a matter of fact, I used it for so long as a part of my signature line. Uh, that uh, it's still actually Rich still uh, sometimes mentions it uh, during sessions. I let you uh, down, man. I let so, you down. That was how I greeted you today. It's when how we you greeted recording. me today before Chris <laughs> even joined us. Uh, it, it, amazing. I love it. Um, anyway, was, was that one of his books? Over? Did he have it over? I the believe top? so. Yeah, I think book? it was a book as well. Uh, but it was yeah. one of his famous quotes that he'd always say. Uh, you know, during his uh, leadership and, and motivational speeches. Rich and I saw him in Chicago at the United oh. Center. That's awesome. uh, one year and really uh, tons of motivation coming out of him. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place here, Chris. Uh, first of all, I'm going to go watch episode 50 because I didn't know that you could actually have Airbnb properties without owning Airbnbs. And I love that. And, and part yeah. of what's motivating me is we just booked a vacation with a few other families. And I can't believe how much we're paying for this place for four nights. It's incredible, um, right? You know, it's crazy. Yeah. So uh, can, you give me, can you give me a lead in on, on how that actually happens? Yeah, it's called Airbnb arbitrage. So yeah, it's no, this isn't this isn't a secret. Like you know, we, we try to provide as much information as possible, um, and really, like the whole website's free. 
had somebody say, how do you make money off the website? I'm like, well, we, we don't really make money off the website. It's kind of subsidized by everything else we do. But hopefully, hopefully you can go to the website and you can create enough wealth that you want to you want to work with us at some point in some way, shape or form. That's like my dream is to help people get to the point where they can afford to you know be accredited or be accredited and afford to make these investments. But, you know, the cool thing you can do, John, is you can go like you can come to me and say, hey, Chris, I see you got this great property and you have it for rent. I said, OK. Yep, got it for rent. You want to rent it? You're like, great. You're like, oh, by the way, I want to sublease it, and specifically, I want to sublease it for short-term rentals. And I say, well, John, I don't like, I don't. That's, I don't want to short-term rent it, and you know, I don't want people coming in and out of my house. Yeah. Now, I've had rentals. I know what happens when people stay in a rental for a long period of time. Um, my father-in-law's got my. I'm sorry, my um, stepfather has a property here in Asheville. Mm -hmm. Long-term renters, they're in there. Washing machines. The um, dishwasher's leaking, right? Yep. So dishwasher's leaking. It's going through the floor. They're like, whatever. They leave. Comes in. Floor's rotted. Yep. Mold. Remediation. Six months. No, no income. Big mess. You know, it's like that doesn't happen with short-term renters. So the counter to that is, you know, you say, well, hey, Chris, like I, I hear you, but you know, my cleaning company's in there three days a week. These people that are coming in. They're going to pay a security deposit. They get rated, right? And you know, again, like you just said it, John, the people that rent our Airbnbs, they're paying somewhere between, you know, on average, two, $200 a night, you know, maybe 150 to 350 depending on the season. Yeah. Like that's, you know, that's, that's as much or more than a nice hotel here in Asheville. They're nice properties. And, you know, we've had some very minor issues, but in general, the properties, there's a little wear and tear. But man, these short-term runners keep the property way nicer than a long-term runner. So, you know, with the proper education, you know, there's a lot of people would say, you know what, I don't really care what you do with the property. Just make sure you take care of it. And then maybe you come to me, John, and you say, hey, Chris, you got these rentals. You know, you can make like five times what you're making now if you did an Airbnb. And I'm like, I don't want to do an Airbnb. Yeah, you deal well, with it. Well, yeah. Why don't we split it 50-50? I'll tell you what, John, you be my partner. Take my property. You know, you guarantee me a specific amount of rent and then we're, we'll split the profits 50-50 above that. I love so you it. You no money out of your pocket. So it's a, you know, it's a management business, yeah. right? You got to um, want to do it. You got to want to do it. But I mean, I have, I have friends and their teenage daughters have an Airbnb business. Like I this love isn't, it. this is not a complicated business. We automate, you know, the systems with everything that we do. Um, Kyle's got a tremendous YouTube channel up there. You can see that. Um, and have access to that um, in the show notes in episode 50. Um, it's one of my favorite strategies. And there's there's also some really cool tax loopholes um, yep. because these are tax laws that were designed around the hotel industry, mm. but the short-term short rental is a hospitality business. So if you're looking for um, a side business, either for you or your partner, where you can take advantage of some of the tax benefits of real estate, you don't have to invest $100,000 in a syndication to get those benefits, like, like I get, you can start an Airbnb business, you know, with one little property and, and get some tremendous tax benefits. Um, my friend, yeah, no, I love that. You, and you mentioned yeah, something earlier about tremendous. tax as well, which I I'm completely amazed. I'm sure this is kind of the stuff, some of the stuff you go through as well, but just amazed at how starting a small business like that and creating your own limited liability company to go along with that, can create incredible tax benefits and um, and savings and the like that uh, everybody, in my opinion, I know it's your opinion, so we speak from the same side of this. Everybody should have a business 
outside of their employment or outside of even maybe their core business to a certain degree with their family. I think it's great for kids to teach them entrepreneurial skill sets and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I never personally, we actually, I take that back. My wife and I got into real estate in Philadelphia years ago and uh, bought, and then we, we sold a property made a good return. And my wife was like, never again, like, this is just too much work. And there's too, you know, but to your point, I had to deal with long-term tenants, just pain in the butts, uh, you know, that we had to deal with, uh, 60 minutes, literally this past week on Sunday, uh, was talking about how here in the United States, there's a short of shortage, excuse me, of around 4 million homes. And I can remember yep. back in 2000, when 2001, excuse me, when we invest in this apartment building duplex, I remember uh, in 2012, when I moved to where I live now, I was like, you know, what? we're going to invest in some real estate. I mean, a few friends, we just never did it. Um, it just seems like you got into this at the perfect opportunity in time. Multifamily homes are, are massive right now. Uh, Rich they asked are. a really, really good question that I want to come back to. The biggest problem I've had individually as an investor, and I think what stops a lot of people is, well, I don't really know people to syndicate with. Uh, I may not have enough money to go do this. I really don't have the expertise to know what the right property is. I really don't want to manage a property, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, does your group and do what you do, you mentioned something about bringing investors together. Is that something that you guys do as a company? It is. Yeah. So I'll take a step back, John. We are, we are in a massive shortage right now. Massive housing shortage. Big time. Um, I, write, I write about this in chapter seven of my book. Okay. That's because everybody's talking. renting their homes on Airbnb. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so that's what, yeah, some people would say like, hey, you know, this isn't like you, you can't, you can't short term rent your home because it takes a unit off of the rental market. So you hear that, right? Um, now, so let me give you an example. Asheville says that they're like, oh, you can't, you have all these restrictions on short term rentals. You can't, you have all these rules around it because we don't want you taking housing units away. Yeah. But then they also won't let you build a hotel if you don't subsidize the hotel and have affordable housing. So they're, they're restricting the number of units coming onto the market. Um, and they're also saying that you have to keep your units on the market, even if, but why would I, I'm not going to long-term rent a property because it's not profitable to me, or I don't want to deal with that hassle. So are you really taking units off the market if you have a short-term rental or like my friend who was able to buy a property because they have a house with a short-term rental inside of it, they're actually able to be homeowners now. So I would argue that it's as much of a wealth creation device by allowing the free markets to work as the opposite. And then if you're gonna if you're gonna restrict short-term rentals, don't restrict hotel or uh, um, multifamily construction. Encourage yep. encourage responsible construction. So again, I think you know you really have to you really have to kind of look at that. Um, so all right. So let's say um, we're in this massive housing shortage. Okay, right? So going back to what I was saying in chapter seven of my book, 4 million units we need this decade. We can barely build fast enough. That's due to the, uh, really what is really larger than the baby boom generation, which is the millennials. They're coming out, right? And they're renting, creating households. They are coming out of their parents' houses. They are forming households. They're getting married. They're forming households. You know, there's all this wealth that's coming out. Oh, and by the by the way, the baby boomers, they're selling those houses now because they're downsizing mm-hmm. and they're all moving to the same places. They're moving to yep. places like Fort Myers, where we just bought um, an apartment complex here in, in the past two months. And it's it's a, it's incredible. Jobs are moving there. People are moving there. Baby boomers are moving there. Millennials are moving there. And it's like now we have this technology, we have this ability to work outside of the office. It's regional. It's specific. So that four million, it's it's not 
everywhere. It's in a concentrated area of the country, like the Southeast, Texas, yep. Colorado, Idaho. It's creating Arizona. It's creating massive, massive shortages. And that's where you're seeing the 20% spike in, in rents yeah. over the past year. So yeah, what we specialize in doing, John, is taking advantage of those trends. We've been doing this again. I, I got into it specifically because of the demographics almost a decade ago. And we find the properties. We put the team inside the property to manage the property. We manage the strategy and we, we pull the investors in as well. So if you're busy, if you're a business owner, if you're a professional and you say, hey, I want, I want all the advantages, you can be just like I did, you know, eight, eight, nine years ago and be an investor. And I actually got better returns as an investor than I did managing my own short term rentals. Um, and that's that tells you why between 2013 and 2015, I sold all my single family rentals and moved into this space. Yeah, that's awesome. As a matter of fact, when I was talking earlier about renting an Airbnb and I know how much we're paying for it, it's in Fort Myers. So I'd probably risk saying one of your places. Um, <laughs> um, anyway. Um, if, I could, if I could hook you up, I would, but we're, our vacancy rates too too low. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I, hey, I want to come back to just this, this whole concept of next level income. And yeah. if you're a business or you're an individual and the feeling is, well, I just don't have enough to save 50%. Or in the company's standpoint, I don't have enough to reinvest 10 or 20% of my revenues into growth or whatever the concept may be. You, you put it pretty well. Like you have two choices, right? You either cut your costs and you start living differently uh, or you make more money. Those are your only two choices. Um, and it strikes me how much, and you must run into this a lot. There's a lot of people who want next level income. They're just not willing to do what it takes to actually get there. Yeah. yeah How do so, you overcome that when you're coaching people? Because if, if people are listening to this episode going, yo, that's me. I, I'm not willing. I have a family. I'm not willing to cut my expenses. I live this certain lifestyle. But then also I'm too busy to create other income. And I don't have the expertise, but I really want that. But maybe I don't. And they're kind of stuck in that zone of maybe I'm just comfortable and I don't need to go do it. Uh, or maybe I just need to be motivated to do it. Yeah. And I think that the, the question of the motivation is big, John. So I had I've had some things happen in my life. My father passed away when I was young. Um, my my best friend passed away when he was 18. I was 19. And those really put, you know, a mark in 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 my subconscious. My my two sons were born. And I was really, really driven to have the experience with them that that I didn't get to have with my father. So, you know, I I have some internal motivation that maybe everyone doesn't have. But I guarantee everybody that's listening has some sort of motivation. And here's the deal. All of us here including listeners, we all woke up with the same amount in the bank. And that amount was 24 hours. Okay? Yeah. We all wake up this, with the exact same amount of time in the bank every day. So there's that opportunity that we have. The first thing I think, and this is what I, I walk through with my coaching clients, is say paint a very, very vivid three-year vision. So that investor that I talked about that said, hey, I want $20,000 a month. Yeah. He's also very successful in, in the corporate world, doing very well. And um, I was like, well, what's your, he's like, I want to, I want to retire, have the ability to retire in, in three years. His kids have moved out. I was like, what are you going to, I said, what does your life look like? Like, what are you going to do? Paint a picture of what your life, your ideal life is three years from now. Health, wealth, your social, like what are your relationships, your, your spouse, your partner, your friends, and then personal enrichment. And that can include everything from, you know, your, what do you, you know, the vacations you take, the car you drive, you know, it can be all these things, but in those four categories, health, wealth, 
social relationships and personal enrichment. That could be like things and stuff too, or doodads as, as Rich Dad calls them, right? Yep. Um, figure that out. And what's your, what's your big why there? Like, what do you, you know, you have to have that driving vision that's going to pull you there. And maybe you don't, maybe you don't have it. Maybe your, your life's comfortable enough. You love your job and you don't really need it. That's okay. Um, but if you want it and you have a big enough why, the second thing you need is you, you need a plan. Okay. So you take your three-year vision and every week you look at it, you put together, I, I have a quarterly plan. So you put together that plan. You can put that plan together for the three years then break it down, you know, into a quarter. The problem a lot of people have, and if you search my, my blog, I talk about how to, how to structure this, it's priorities. I work, I work 16 hours, six days a week for years to build this business in addition to being successful in the medical device space. And people are like, that's like, how do you do that? It's like impossible. And it, it, it's tiring. Like you can't do that. But I was fired up. Like I wrote my book. I had the podcast. You know, I was working Saturdays. I mean, I just... You know, I'd, I'd get up and then start working at five and I'd go, I'd work until 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. at night and I'd optimize my health and all those other things. So step one, get your plan together for the week. Put that top priority, that thing that's not urgent, but super important, like starting that second business, put that on your list. When are you going to work out? Put that, put that on your calendar. When are you going to spend time with your kids, your family, your spouse, your partner? Put that on your calendar. Get all that stuff on your calendar. Work will fill itself in. And here's the thing. What's, what's the rule that work will expand to fill the time that you have, yeah. right? So if you have 30 hours a week versus 60 hours a week, you know, people say, hey, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Once you're focused, you know, if, if you sit there and you set a timer, like I can rip through, you know, 20 emails in 30 minutes, no problem if I only have 30 minutes. If I have two hours, eh, I'll probably like check the news. Maybe I'll check the stock market. I'll take a phone call or send a text. If I got 30 minutes, the phone's off, it's face down, I'm head down, you know, knocking out this stuff, you know, and you can be very efficient. So again, step one, get a vision. Step two, have a plan and prioritize. And then step three, you need accountability. And this is why I started the coaching program because I was trying to help people and I would give them free advice and I like mentor, like quote unquote, mentor them. And it didn't work so well. And I was like, I don't get it. Like, you know, I'm having these yeah. conversations with John, I'm giving him my time. He doesn't call me. That's because maybe you don't want to be like, Chris is busy. I don't want to bother you. Well, yeah. if you pay me, you don't feel so bad about bothering me. If you're paying me, I, I'm sure I'm going to be held accountable to you and you're going to be held accountable to me. So you need somebody that's walked the walk that knows that path that can look from the outside and say, Hey, here are the things that we can do to tweak, to make you more efficient, to get there. Here are the resources that you can get. You take that time, you compress it because you can't buy time. Actually you can, that's what I'm talking about. You can buy time through other people's experiences. And also you can outsource things, you know, to people that are doing it. And then that finally, that, that accountability is so important because you know, if you have that call every week, every month that, you're showing up. You're like, I, I better get on this. I better do it. Just like when I was in middle school and my, my teacher would come, I played the string bass. I'd be like the day before I'd be furiously practicing because I, I knew my, my instructor was going to show up. And if I didn't practice, I was going to be embarrassed and my mom was going to be upset, you know? So it's amazing how that accountability really helps do that. So yep. get a vision, get a plan, get a coach, have, have somebody that can hold you accountable. 
you were talking about with your uh, musical instructor reminds me of our eight-year-old just yesterday said, hey, dad, uh, do you know that I'm going to see the dentist this week? And I said, oh, okay, cool. So you can get your teeth cleaned. She looks over at the 14-year-old and says, I need to really start brushing good. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. There you go. Yeah, even eight-year-olds know it, right? It's this incredible. Yesterday. Yeah. Um, question for you on those three pieces, vision, plan, yep. and accountability. On yep. vision, if you are going to recommend one book to our listeners that they got to get if they want a deeper dive on vision, what would that book be? So not vision specifically, but here's another freebie for you. So my, my friend and coach, Craig Ballantyne, he'll send you a free copy of the perfect week formula. And it also, it'll tie in some of those other strategies that I said, the perfect week formula. He'll walk through kind of step-by-step. Um, and if you email me at chris at nextlevelincome.com, chris at nextlevelincome.com, and you send me your address, um, just say, you know, put perfect week formula in the subject line. Um, I'll make sure that, that Craig sends you um, a copy of that. And that's a, that's like a step-by-step manual of, you know, the, the, the quote unquote, most disciplined man in, in the world. He will help you not the most interesting, the most disciplined. Um, but he will help you, uh, get where you want to be, um, with that book. I can, I can practically guarantee it. That's great. And you said it was Chris and what was his last name? Uh, Oh, his name is Craig Ballantyne. Craig. Yeah, his name's Craig, Craig Ballantyne, the perfect Ballantyne. week formula. Yep. Got it. So, Thank you. Yeah. And then what about on a plan? If I wanted to get self-studied on the plan part of it, where would you direct me? Yeah. So I think it depends what your vision is, right? So if, if you're like, maybe you're health focused, Rich. So, you know, that's going to be different than somebody that, that's financially focused. But when it comes to financial, again, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big thing of what we do. Um, I'm trying to think of, of a good book. Um, you know, on the financial side that would, that would really, I mean, that's kind of why we started because I, you know, a lot of financial books are built around, Hey, accumulate all this money and then draw it down at like three or four, you know, or 5%. You know, what we teach is develop a plan to replace your active income with, with passive income um, is, is what we do. Um, I mean, you can, you can read my book to, to go through that. Um, we got a, we actually have a dashboard that we're working on that may even be released when this podcast is released. Um, where you can put in your needs and then you can, it'll spit out basically a plan for you of how much you need to save um, and what types of investments that would get you there. That's great. You had offered to email you to get Craig's uh, perfect week formula. And is it a similar offering with your book as well? If that's the one that we kind of place in the plan area here, if our listeners were to email you. Yeah, actually, you can go to the website, nextlevelincome.com and click on the book link. And you don't even have to email me. Just put your info in there and get that sent out to you here in a couple of days. Great. Anything on the accountability side? I know you said find a coach. Is there yeah. anything, though, if I wanted to get self-studied on the accountability part of executing the plan that you'd recommend? I think accountability, it can come in. The, like I think you have like three good options. Um, one, find a friend. Like I have a friend. We're looking at this. Um, it's called 75 hard. I don't know if anybody's heard of that, but it's like a pretty, pretty strict, like um, 75 day program. And he's like, dude, you want to do this with me? Because I can't do this by myself. Like, I don't have to hire a coach. I don't need to, to join any group. It's just my buddy and I holding each other accountable. Right. So if, if you're like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working, you know, I got, 
I have limited financial resources. Find somebody that's of like mind that you know you can can hold you accountable. That could be somebody in your company. That could be a friend of yours. That could be a training partner, whoever it might be. Um, number two, you could find a mastermind. So you could find like a meetup group locally. A lot of times those are those are free of charge. You could pay for a professional mastermind where you go in and find somebody that's um, you know almost like a group coaching program, um, or find a specific coach in that that area and you know you can you can search online to find those but again i think what what i like in terms of a coach and who i've worked with i've i've worked with people that have achieved the success in the area that i want to to um focus on if that makes sense mm -hmm. so i work with craig ballantyne because when i decided to build out the coaching program i wanted to work with somebody that was that was really adept at working with coaches and, and, and focusing on that. So I have a coach that works with a lot of coaches um, and a lot of very successful people across a, a, a range of different things, um, for instance. Good. And then you'd said what you really work on is helping people replace active income with passive income. And you gave a few examples of that, that if you have a commission-based job, you, you know, increase the commission, go bust it. Uh, have a side business or a coaching business or real estate, Uber, hobby, that type of thing. What about our listeners who would look at that and go, well, I run a business, so it's kind of commission. Um, I don't know what I would do for a side business to my business. I don't, I don't know what hobby I have. I'm, how am I going to make money with it? I'm not going to be an Uber driver. Like, Chris, if I'm a client of yours and that's where I am and I'm going like, what am I supposed to do to figure out how to make more money when the the starter list just doesn't resonate? Okay, that's an excellent question. So I, I call this, this is like the low-hanging fruit, okay? So the if I said to you, Rich, what can you do in the next month to generate $10,000 of income? Go. We're going to brainstorm some ideas. If you're a business owner... I'm going to say, okay, let, let me take an example. So one of my coaching clients was an estimator. Okay. So you work with, you know, estimated big jobs. I'm like, all right, if you had to generate this additional revenue, what would you do? He's like, oh, I had this guy ask me, you know, for referrals, they do like referral fees. I said, okay. I was like, can you develop a list of people that you can, you know, develop these referral fees, you know, for this partner, like basically an affiliate partner. So he literally just created a list and he's got thousands or tens of thousands of dollars coming in a month now from, from partnering people that want to work together. It's, and he's not actually doing anything. He's not spending any additional time. He's literally just matchmaking his clients together because client A and client B need each other. And he's like, Hey, you know, did you, did, did you talk to this person? So when he does an estimate, estimating job and he says, Hey, um, you know, if you need tile, you know, call, call John or call Rich, right? They say, okay, great. Because you work with Chris, we're going to give you a 10% discount. And by the way, we're going to give Chris a 10% referral fee. I mean, does that client care if you give me a referral fee? No, they're getting a discount. So if you have a website, you know, that's a terrific way. There's all these affiliate partners. Um, I had a driver, we were out in Colorado and we got a, we had to, um, we were going to Denver to fly out and the driver, she's, uh, she's a former professional skier. Okay. And, you know, we start talking about real estate and what I do. And we were in the car for a couple hours together. And, you know, she's like, Oh, if, if you're interested, you get a discount. Like there's this, I was like, how many of these referral partnerships do you have? And she's like, we're really only two. I was like, what if you like went on social media 
and started promoting this. She's like, all oh, the companies would love it because they absolutely love it because they're giving her a referral payment and the clients are buying directly from them. So instead of selling through a third party, they're probably making more money selling through her platform. She's making, you know, say 20% instead of the 30% that the, you know, the retailer would get. Um, and, and she's got this huge, you know, sphere of influence from all the years she's been doing. So just be creative, look at what you're doing already and, and think, okay, if I had to make $10,000 this next month, you know, how could I do it? Start there. Yeah. I have a different perspective too, uh, maybe to this question, Rich, as you asked, which is, you know, I'm running a business. Uh, none of these things really resonate with me. Um, you know, how can I earn some more income? And, and I think one of the first answers is, well, make more money in your business. Uh, that's, you know, that's the exactly. first thing you should look be doing, for, but there's yeah, a problem with that. There, there's an inherent problem with making more money in your single business is that all your eggs are in one basket. And I would hate to put 15 to 20 years into a business. That's your one basket and lose it for some reason. Could be COVID, could be other. And by the way, that's happened. Um, and the diversification of your financial interests are really, really important. That may mean find somebody to run your business. You can go start another business uh, and diversify. It could mean taking you know, some of your returns from your business and invest in real estate multifamily homes to solve this $4 million home issue to diversify your financial interests. But I think that's one of the big problems I'm seeing, Chris, is a lot of people have their eggs in one basket. They do. Both employees and, and, you know, and entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, again, so, you know, the first step is, you know, create additional capital, right? So you can, you, you know, you can then diversify. Um, I agree with you there. Um, and you brought up a really good thing. You know, maybe, you know, I talk about, um, I actually got a podcast coming out called, it's called, what are you worth? Okay. Yep. And it's all about saying, okay, if you're worth a hundred dollars an hour. So real quick, if you make $200,000 a year, you know, you take 50 hours or 50 weeks, 40 hours a week, 50 times 40, times 100 is $200,000, right? Or yep. 200,000 divided by 50 divided by 40 is $100 an hour. Yep. So if, and here's the thing. Most and that people, gives you two weeks vacation. Right. But most people, like one of my other coaching clients, we, we broke this down. You know what? He was making seven fifty a year. Yep. You, know what, you know what his time was worth when he like actually worked? $1,500 an hour. So yep. he's supposed to be making $3 million a year. But yep. what was he doing? He was doing payroll. I yep. just saw today on LinkedIn, he's hiring an administrative assistant. I'm proud of you. Um, so he's not going to be doing payroll. He's not going to be doing you know, the administrative tasks. So he can do more of those $1,500 an hour tasks. So that's yep. probably the first thing that a business owner should do, Rich, Love that. is find somebody to do those $10 to $20 an hour tasks. I look anything, anybody I can pay $50 or less an hour, again, making sure it's, it's reasonable to replace me doing that thing that I don't enjoy or I'm not really good at, it's probably going to help me generate more money. And then, yes, John, if you're a business owner, super easy way to get into real estate. Do you own the building, yep. or the property that your business does? What a great tenant, your business renting the yep. property. You know, there's, you know, there's a lot of things you can do, but I, I agree with yep. you. It's nice to have a diversified revenue stream. Absolutely. And I love that formula you shared. That's the exact logic I give to my wife on why I can't do landscaping. It just, you know, I have to spend my time doing other things, uh, which right. brings me to this point of time. Um, I loved when you brought up, <clears throat> yes, you can buy time. Yes, we all have 24 hours today. That's just a fact. No one's going to dispute that. But how you spend those 24 
really makes a big, big, big difference. And I loved, I loved when you said, you know, yes, you can buy time. And I truly believe that one of the ways you can buy time in your own life is by deploying your capital properly, being very frugal with where you you spend it, diversifying your interests, finding someone to replace you to run your business so you can actually go buy more time to do other things in your life. And you know, you mentioned it's not all about money, but mon- you know, uh, I don't remember who said this. Where you know, it's not all about, about money, but I feel a lot better if I have a million dollars in the bank. So it'll allow me the opportunity to go do some other things and buy me time to go. But are you willing to have you know go through the moments of pain and and toughness and the 12, 14, 16, 18 hour days to get there is really part of the equation. Back to buy time. What are ways that you believe people can buy time, whether you're an entrepreneur or an employee? Yeah. So, um, and again, I'm, I'm literally about to publish this, uh, this podcast. So I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to give your listeners here today a little bit of a, a sneak peek. Okay. Love it. So these are some low cost areas. Um, so f- first off, what, what we just did, we hired a nanny this year mm-hmm. and we, we pay her $20 an hour and it, it's been amazing. Cause she drives, she shuttles the kids around during those like few hours in the afternoon that like, you're like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta cancel this podcast. Cause I can't do that. No, I got to try to take this call or, Oh, I need to talk to this investor. I can't do a coaching call. It's like, I'm, I'm really, I'm not getting great quality time with my kids. Mm-hmm. I'm only in the car with them for maybe 30 minutes. They're bickering. I get home. I don't have time to make dinner, which I really enjoy cooking. I didn't get a workout in. It's like, Oh, it's a disaster. Now we have a little bit more control of that. That's something that we've we've personally done. Um, and by the way, my wife and I, between us, we we pay for that nanny in like an hour, in like a day a week. We pay for a whole weeks of services. Sure. Um, if you're like, hey, I'm not there yet. Amazon delivery. Okay. So um, you can either like have Amazon deliver your groceries instead of going to the grocery store. You'll probably spend less. You probably buy healthier food. Um, you can if you're like, hey, Chris, Whole Foods is too expensive. Other other um, grocery stores deliver as well, or just do pickup. Um, you can also look at like uh, pre-made meals. So if you're a smaller family, what I found is you can, the cost per meal is not that, that much greater. If you're doing some of these pre-made meals, like, um, like blue apron, for instance, is one of them. There's, yep. there's freshly, there's a bunch of other ones out there. Um, you could hire a cleaner. So I, I really don't like to clean my house. Um, you know, so you can, you can look at something like that. Um, if you're, if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, one thing I do is I use Calend- Calendly yep. to schedule my calls. You can use a, a call scheduler and then you can block time. So now you're more efficient, right? So if I have 90 minutes of calls and a 30 hour break or, you know, I, I don't have to worry about doing that. I'm not taking the time to do those emails. Let's go a step further. If you have somebody on your staff, train your staff member to do these things, right? Mm-hmm. Teach somebody. If you're like, oh man, it's hard to teach somebody. You're right. It is. Record yourself doing it. Record your phone call, record it on Zoom, do a screenshot and just send that to your assistant or your employee and say, hey, just follow these steps, write it down and you'll have everything. Um, logistics, you can like systematize logistics or you can incentivize people. When I was in the OR, I, I was able to work with the staff and said, hey, if, if you put these trays back together, we're going to be able to turn them fast. You don't have to wait for me to come in. I'm going to supply them to train you, do all this stuff. You have less inventory. You save time on the shelf. Like it worked better for everybody sure. to do that. Um, and then, you know, the big thing is if you have employees, like the one minute manager by Ken Blanchard is a great yeah. book. Yeah. Teach people, help people empower themselves and then teach them the leadership and the systems and the strategies that you used. And what I think you'll find is that people want to be empowered. They want, they want that, that, that sense of contributing 
And it's hard. It's very humbling, right? Because you're like, well, hey, I'm really good at this. I should be doing it. And if you give somebody that opportunity to do it, you have to, one, be humble enough to hand that off. Two, also humble enough to stand back. And three, you have to trust enough to let that person sometimes fail. And you have to have those relationships. So if they do fail, you can help them get back up and you can help work with those people. And sometimes that takes a lot of communication between, say, a client and your staff member and saying, hey, look, Rich, look, Rich, look John, you know, I got, um, I got, you know, um, Sarah or, you know, Chris or whoever's coming into this role and, and they're new, but they're going to be dedicated to you. They're going to be able to focus more than I am right now. So if you work with me here, I'm going to train them as well as I can. And I can, I'm convinced you're going to have better service afterwards, but you have to really work hard at that. Yeah, I love that, Chris. And, and I think the, the moral of what you just talked about in terms of buying time, uh, and it, it aligns greatly with my philosophy on the, on the business side as well as the personal side, just replace yourself. Make, you know, yeah, if make you're doing a, a role in your do, life right? that isn't generating the income you should or the pleasure that it should, maybe even more importantly, replace yourself and use your talents to go, you know, deploy that resource somewhere else where it can, uh, you know, generate what you need to, to generate, whether it be happiness yeah. or income. Um, love the way that that brings it to a close. And certainly, uh, I think you just got a new fan of your podcast. I, I, I want to listen to this Airbnb one. I want to listen to this one. Uh, people can go to the next level income uh, to find the podcast or nextlevelincome.com for the website to get the free copy of the book. Email you directly at chris at nextlevelincome.com if they want to get the perfect week formula by Craig Valentine. And I'm sure there's a lot more resources there. Uh, chris, appreciate your time here today. Thank you, Chris. My pleasure. Yeah, thank you guys for the opportunity. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. Rich, during this conversation, there's one thing that Chris said that uh, I failed to bring back and talk to him about a little bit more. And it's something that I know you and I spent a lot of time with is that whole Eisenhower matrix of what's urgent and important, or I should say not urgent and important, but it's the quadrant, right? Where on the x-axis you have uh, important, on the y-axis you have urgent and you're really trying to get to the spot where you're spending your time in the right quadrant where it's not an emergency, it's not a fire, but it's really, really, really important. And I feel like way too many times people wait till it's too late to start creating additional income streams or diversifying their interests. So they're not, their, their interests are in all one 401k, uh, you know, they diversifying their 401k properly, right? As opposed to being in a 401k of, maybe one of the companies in 2008 that went belly up and they lost their entire savings because they were an entrepreneur, all our 401k savings is one company, didn't work out. So I really think that it's always important. It's not urgent right now. Hopefully it's not urgent for you, but it's important enough to have that why, have that plan, right? That three-year picture or plan of where you want to get to and then have some accountability built in. Uh, I, I really love that approach to it and what we what Chris shared with us here today because Way too many times people wait till it's too late. They're forced to, oh my gosh, now I'm in trouble. Now I got to find more income or now I got to react to this versus being more proactive. You know, where he mentioned that, and I think you probably made a note of it that you're picking up off is when he was talking about the plan. Yeah. And he said the plan for the week. And he specifically said, first start planning for the not urgent. And he said, your workout, your family time with your kids and your spouse and uh, it kind of comes back to some of the stuff you and I learned literally decades ago. If that doesn't make us feel old, I don't know what does. 
of the Stephen Covey stuff of putting the big rocks in the calendar first. And those big rocks that should go in the calendar first are often things that are in quadrant two, that are the things that are highly important, however, not highly urgent. And I think you're exactly right. I think a lot of times in if you wait long enough for things that are in quadrant two, they get to be in quadrant one. Yep. Here's what I mean by that. If you don't work out for long enough and you end up having bad knees, bad back, uh, diagnosed with something, now all of a sudden it's urgent and important. You need to do something about it. And it's under stress. Yep. The family time piece that uh, Chris talked about, you're working, he said, 16 hours a day, six days a week. And, you know, at some point, I know we've talked about it on the podcast, at some point you don't want your spouse to say, I don't really know you anymore. Or your kids to say, where were you during all my birthdays? And that that point, now it's in quadrant one. Now it's highly urgent and important and it's reactive. You're right. It is so much better to do those things that are really important during a time that it's not urgent. So we don't have to wait to be under stress to do those things. Yeah, exactly. And that just kind of struck with me. And you know, the best example I could give on for on a personal level is, you know, <clears throat> the amount of times I thought about investing in real estate and doing those things, but it was easy to procrastinate. It was easy to be like, eh, you know, don't have enough, just the, all the excuses that you mentioned, right? Like I don't have enough time. I don't know how to start. I don't, you know, I don't know how much it's going to take. And what I like about what Chris is doing is it seems like not only is he encouraging people to do it, he's also providing a potential mechanism for people to invest in multifamily homes uh, without having being the expert or having you know all the capital needed to do it on their own. So would love to learn a little, learn a little bit more about that. Certainly not financial advice from my perspective, you know. I, but it seems like there's a there's a great opportunity there for for people to learn more. And the book is free. the The formula week plan he, he said he provides by Craig Valentine is a great gift. I think we should take on. And you know, I I, I love this the, the easiness and formula. Right? What's your why? What's your three year picture? And then who's holding you accountable? And I think typically one of those three fails. The whole thing fails. You know, you and I have held each other accountable over the years on many different things, right? But, you know, I've certainly found whether it be working out or whether it be different things, if you don't have a running partner, it can fail. So I think I think all three of those are very, very important, but you need to know why you're doing it and you need to have that passion and burn. I talked about it on this episode way too many times. There's too many excuses that come into play. I don't want to change my lifestyle. Therefore, I'm not willing to cut my costs. I don't want to change my lifestyle. Therefore, I don't want to go earn some more money. I'm just going to be happy with what I got. And therefore, they wait until the moment where it is urgent and important. And now they're in a tough spot. I think that happened to a lot of people during COVID. You know, when he was talking about the vision and he said, you need to have a three-year really vivid vision. And when I asked about the book, I was wondering if he was going to say Cameron Harold, the past yep. uh, podcast guest, Cameron Harold's book, Vivid Vision. Yeah, what we talked about in this episode about this whole Airbnb arbitrage, I find to be very interesting because really yes. what arbitrage is, right, is just finding the difference between two different parties and two different things and, and helping bring that together, right? You have d- certainly uh, interest rate arbitrage that can, that can happen. You have currency arbitrage. You have uh, asset arbitrage. You have, you know, in this case, you know, find somebody who's looking to rent their property and help them put it on Airbnb so you guys can both make money. You don't even have to own the property, but you have to hustle. 
you need to go knock on the door. You need to have those conversations. You need to dedicate the time. You need to do the research. You need to be willing to do it. And I think that really, at the end of the day, when you, when you hear about Chris's story and having a Zig Ziglar book in his hands at a young age, right, taken from some of his father's lessons that he learned at a very, very, very young age that carried through him, he was willing to do whatever it took uh, to get to that other side, to get over the top. And you need to have that mentality. And, and you know, I hear Gary V say it the best. Would you be willing to give up five to seven years of hard work, effort, long days to get to where you want to be? If you are, it's there for you. Anybody can do it. It's are you willing to do it, though?